Welcome back to another Cardinals Off Day podcast. We hope everyone out there had a Merry Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. But regardless of what you celebrate on your own, today we are here together to celebrate a Merry Zipsmas. And that is because uh, Ben and I are so happy to have uh, Dan Zimborski here with us today to talk about his very recently released uh, Cardinals Zips projections. So, Dan, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. How's it going tonight? Going good. Going good. Uh, And Dan, before we kind of dive in, um, I I just wonder, I think a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with you and familiar with with Zips. But if you could just maybe give kind of a quick uh, introduction to folks who might not be familiar with you and and familiar with uh, with Zips. Well, I'm a baseball writer. I was one of those mean stat heads that suddenly from the 90s who suddenly became very employable, oddly enough, in the early 2000s. Uh, I'm the creator of the zips projections you may have seen around the web uh whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is up to the beholder uh zips is a computer projection system that on a basic level starts with a player tries to calculate what their baseline is from their recent performance advanced stats uh compares players to a large large cohort of similar players and then generates a curve to guess kind of where they're going in the future it's a bit like hurricane forecasting in a way if if you imagine the player is a little hurricane symbol in the caribbean and and that cone of ignorance that swoops out from it it's basically the same concept but i'm just not as smart as a meteorologist so i'm a baseball writer <laughs> so right. I, you know, you're talking about when you got started on this, Dan, and when I was reading the introduction uh, to this year's Zips projections on FanGraphs, uh, you know, I I started reading Zips projections on Baseball Think Factory, and the fact that it has now been on FanGraphs for a decade made me feel really old. <laughs> well, I feel old. I've been doing this now for nearly half of my life. Uh, at one point uh, in, in the 90s, because the, the, the baseball sabermetrics world of the time, uh, since it wasn't, there weren't really internet sites about it yet, uh, was on Usenet. Uh, and Usenet will be something that's completely foreign to probably most of the people listening. Uh, but news groups, you can still see them if you look up Google Groups. Uh, that's rec.sport.baseball is where baseball was pretty much discussed. Uh and at the time, I was one of the young guys in Sabermetrics. Uh, it was me. Uh, it was Dave Cameron, who was a year younger than me. We were still teenagers when we got involved. Um, and now, of course, it's it's a quarter of a century later. I'm well, I guess I'm well into middle age now. Is, is, 40, is 43 middle age? Well, I just turned 40 a couple days ago or five days ago. So I'm going to say no. Okay, well, I'm approaching middle age, at least. Uh, so sometimes I do feel old uh, because, you know, I see people who I coming up who like I talk to a lot of students because a lot of students are interested in what I do, uh, either from the math side or the writing side. And I think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to be the dad for these guys. Uh, and I, I don't even think I'm old enough to have a kid yet. I'm not sure I had that responsibility. Uh, somehow I'm not allowed to have a creme brulee torch. And I don't know why I'm not allowed to, because I'm a 43-year-old man who lives by himself mostly. So I don't know how this authority came down, but I do feel old sometimes because uh, coming up in a couple of years will be the 20th anniversary of when I first released Zip's Projections. I never really thought at the time that they'd be so useful to people or they'd become what they became. They're obviously much more complex than when I started. 
but I, I can't complain too much. It's it's been kind of an odd career path for me, uh, an unexpected one. But I, I don't have any complaints because I get to do what I really like doing. Well, that's fantastic. And, and you know, we do want to dive in a little more to, you know, the history of Zips and just kind of some of what goes on under the hood. Um, but uh, I think we're going to try to hold off on that till just a, a little bit later on, because we know folks are, are really excited, uh, as we always are, when the Zips forecasts are released to find out how are the Cardinals looking uh, this year. And so uh, I guess I, I'd love just first off to know what were your, kind of your overall thoughts when you first saw the, the Cardinals projections for this year? Well, in, in a way, I wasn't surprised because I think the Cardinals projections are the easiest to project in a way. If I ever did a projection projection system, uh, the, the Cardinals would be an easy team to do. Uh, I, I joked about it, but... Uh, I going back to the the first Zips team standings I did in 2005. I've only projected the Cardinals to be below 500 one time in 2008, and above 90 wins only once in 2010. Uh, it's been they've safely been projected in the 85 to 90 win range like every year. Uh, I believe this is now the 10th straight year. Obviously, you know, pace for. 2020 I, I wasn't projecting to win 90 out of 60 games uh, but it's it's one of the most stable teams in baseball you don't get super risky strategies you don't really get you know those 106 win seasons very often uh, but you have a safe team that might have a lower ceiling than a couple teams but has a, a much higher floor than a lot of teams and that's kind of you know organizational philosophy uh, so you don't see big splashes but the team is is just well built it's like a Toyota Camry. You're not going to bring the Camry to the track, but a lot of people like Camrys and Camrys last forever. Yep. <laughs> I think I've said on this podcast and, and back when I was writing at VEB that the, the Cardinals are scientifically formulated in a lab to win 88 games, um, which I think is usually the case. But then enough teams quit during the season that sometimes they accidentally win 90 or 91. <laughs> that seems to be how it, it usually usually happens. Um, and so and so this year is looking like one of those 90 win seasons after, you know, what the rest of the NL Central who are not the Brewers have done and are doing yeah it's it's not the most impressive division to say the least i think in a way the brewers have more upside simply because they have more risk uh because you can imagine a world in in which christian yelich gets back to his mvp uh uh status uh i think that in a best case scenario for the brewers their rotation will be better than the best case scenario for the cardinals yeah uh you know Keston Hira could could figure out the strikes then. I mean, it's not likely, but they had that that source of kind of risk, which gives them a higher upside, I think. But the Brewers also have a much lower ups, uh, much lower downside uh, than the Cardinals. Uh, I think that the Brewers have are far more likely to have a 75 win season than the Cardinals are. Yeah, no, and I that I mean that certainly jibes with my expectations as well. Um, ben, any other kind of general thoughts, or should we should we dive into some of the specific players that that caught our eye? Yeah, I think I think now would be a good time to to get into some of those individual player projections because I think there are some really interesting ones this year. Well, I, I'll just jump in and I'll tell you the first one that jumped out to me was uh, was Harrison Bader. 
and uh, jumped out to me uh, in in a good way. Um, and uh, uh, Dan, you've got Harrison Bader projected for a four point three wins above replacement, and you know Bader has been for a number of seasons for Cardinals fans has been a real kind of will he or won't he kind of player. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously the you know the the tools are there, and I mean the defense is pretty superlative, and no one really doubts that. But you know the offense has has you know kind of come and gone, and there's you know there's clearly holes there. So there's times where you can kind of see you know the um, you, you know the the really excellent version of, of Harrison Bader, um, but there's there's times where you can uh, you, you know see looming potential disaster. So um, that was a pretty exciting projection. Are you able to um, tell us some more about maybe what what the the system sees there that makes it so optimistic um, for Harrison Bader going into this season? Well, he hit very well. Uh, you you look at, at his uh, he cut down his strikeout rate considerably uh, uh, from a few years ago. I mean, he's in his prime right now, and there's no reason to doubt his defense. Uh, you one thing you will find, of course, is the the concern about health. Uh, you look at the graphic depth chart and has been four point three WAR, but that's kind of our depth chart fill in, which assumes a lot right. of plate appearances. Uh, Zips, which kind of you know takes a a more pessimistic, not specific approach to to health uh, has him down around 440, 450 plate appearances, somewhere around there. I should probably open it up. So I'm looking at it. Uh, but that 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 is a concern, especially because I don't think the Cardinals depth in the outfield is as solid as it has been in past years. Love the starters, but you do. It does feel like they could use another not a, not a starter that you have to pay for, but. I think you need, you know, more fall, fall, fallback positions than, say, Lars Newtbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do. Have, it's a three point one is the number um, in the in the kind of full projection down there. Yeah, I was just that that bigger number. I was just pulling from the. Uh, it's the fun number. It's the fun number. <laughs> you did a fun number first. <laughs> That's right. You, you, you don't lead with like the broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that's. Uh, you know, that's an interesting thing and, and something that I think a lot of folks get hung up on is, you know, you look at why Harrison Bader lost time last season, for example. Uh, one of the instances that landed him on the injured list was uh, he dove for a ball, kind of missed the ball, but wound up landing on it with his ribs and he landed on the injured list as a result of it. Now, that's, on the one hand, a weird traumatic injury. On the other hand, with the way that Harrison Bader plays, it's the type of injury that it's not hard to envision, you know, maybe not landing on a baseball, but injuring himself while diving for a baseball. It's really not that hard to imagine happening again. And, you know, I have a lot of people tell me that I'm overly pessimistic about players like uh, Tommy Edmond, who we will get to. Um, but I think maybe that's why I always like zips because I feel like it's in line with my philosophy. Uh, and so, yeah, zips does not, especially if you're a picture, zips does not assume you're going to be in good health because there, there, it, when you look at the, uh, at the risk curve of say a full time, say you have a guy who started 150 games for seven years in a row, 
you would still expect him to play fewer games because it's not like a little bell curve. There are a lot more things that can make a guy who averages 150 games a year play 120 games than that could make that guy then play 180 games because, you know, obviously the season doesn't go that long. Uh, it's 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 the, it's like the Madden curse and the Wheaties box curse all kind of like rolled into one or regression toward the mean or risk skewness or whatever you want to call it in a more boring way. Uh, but, you know, teams have to uh, take into account this kind of risk. Uh, one of the things you, you see frequently is Zips is always a little higher on the deep teams and a little than, than the conventional wisdom and a little lower on some of the shallow teams. Uh, I think of the Mets teams before this year. Zips tended to be very kind of down on them relative to consensus simply because the way I, I I run the simulations for the season projections for the team is Zips will assume that players will miss time. Sometimes players will miss an astounding amount of time. So, you know, in some of the Angels projections, they're not assuming that Mike Trout's going to play 650 plate appearances every year. Sometimes he's going to get 300. Sometimes he's going to get 200. Occasionally he even gets zero if, if, if an injury is serious enough. Uh, so I, I do try these things obviously aren't perfect, but it's one reason that the Cardinals, another good example, Zips always likes the Cardinals a little better than the consensus and steamer do. And I think that comes down to methodology. I don't want to say that one's necessarily better than the other, but I do think that I do have kind of a good, just from experience of, of trying to construct these kinds of things. Well, that's no, that's interesting to hear because that's something that I think we as Cardinals fans certainly notice too. And and as you may know, uh, Pakoda specifically is the the bane of all Cardinals fans' existence because I think Pakoda has has been low on the Cardinals for like something like ten straight seasons. Which which you know, of course, some of this is just that you know these are these are projection systems. Like this is just you know <laughs> this these kind of things happens. But with Pakoda specifically, I know it does seem like there's almost a methodological thing there that just doesn't exactly see. And so that's really interesting, you know, just to wonder, you know, could it just be the depth? Because as you said, the Cardinals are a team that they're all about you know maintaining that high floor and having that depth and things like that so that would be i'm not asking you to you know comment on pakoda but (laughs) just interesting it's always a hard question one because i like all the guys oh of course (laughs) and two i don't exactly because people say well why is your projection different than steamers like well i don't know exactly how steamers is done or pakoda's and they're i'm one of the people they're least likely to tell yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to call up John Judge or something and say, hey, can you give me the, the secret? Uh, he's he's going to say, no, Dan, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. I'm like, OK. Well, we were hoping we could get you to reveal it here on our podcast as well. But since that well, I tell work, you pretty detailed what I do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty open with how it works. Um, yeah. If you do a search for zips and malnobis distance, uh, someone made a little computer program as kind of an experiment to show how I do. Uh, how I find similar cohorts of players, not the exact same stats, but it's it's quite on the money if, if you want to do a Google search for that. But sure. I try to be open to methodology because, as I say, it's not that Zips is any particular source of genius or anything. It's just a lot of work and and time put into studying things to make it work. It's 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 more a job of a crafter than, you know, someone of transcendent intelligence, which is certainly not me. Sure, sure. 
Well, um, you know, I suppose as long as we're, uh, you know, we kind of started on Harrison Bader and, and sticking in the the outfield there, I guess another name, um, you know, Tyler O'Neill really had a, a breakout last year. And so uh, I was relieved to see a, a pretty strong projection um, for, for Tyler O'Neill as well. Um, it, anything just kind of under the hood about Tyler O'Neill that was, you, you think was particularly impressive or that led to that? projection actually yes one of the things about it because zips has uh you've probably seen x stats which are extrapolated stats yep. usually with stat cast data zips has its own suite of these things that uses for pictures and batters called z stats uh, which just the z stands for zips uh, <laughs> and in the case of in the case of o'neill zips thought that based on his hit ball data in 2021 that O'Neill's slugging percentage should have been over 600. Wow. It oh, wow. actually thought that the slugging perf- the slugging percentage was a slight underperformance of where he should have been. Yeah. So, well, having seen Tyler O'Neill with his shirt off, I believe that his <laughs> slugging percentage should be over 600. So. Well, see, he, he looks like someone who should be slugging. Yes. You always, yes. You also, you always appreciate the guys. Uh, like, I don't. Are, are both of you old enough to remember Glenn Braggs? Oh, yeah. 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 He was built like I mean, he was built like a, a 20, 20 power hitter in the 80s. So he stood out as being a built guy and he just didn't have that much power. And it felt right. really, really weird. Yeah. Well, uh, as, Cardinals, as Cardinals fans, Ben, you know who I always remember was a you remember Felix Jose. Oh, yeah. Felix. Felix Jose was absolutely jacked and he he had just kind of doubles power. Now, some of that could have been, you know, he was playing in like cavernous old Bush Stadium there. So um, that was a little bit of an issue. But, um, yeah, he was another, you know, big muscular guy that just didn't didn't quite uh, deliver the the power you maybe thought he would. And, and so, so that's that's really interesting to me, uh, Dan, because when I looked at at Tyler O'Neill's uh, his ISO which Zips has at 270 and his batting average on balls in play, which he, which Zips has at 337. I, I did a double take. Cause I, I thought to myself, I, I really did. I was like, is that right? Um, yeah. I, I'm sure that given what everyone knows about a projection system that Zips would have seen, you know, the, 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 the six, something OPS from 2020, the seven, the low sevens from 2019 that you probably expected to see more regression toward the mean. Yes. Uh, but these kinds of indicators told zips. We'll see if zips is right. Well, we have to wait to find out if, if there is a season, which there better be. Uh, yeah. So it kind of, kind of counteracted that effect to a degree. Uh, so zips was, was pretty confident about how good O'Neill is. And, and we talked about this uh, here on the podcast earlier in the year also about early in the year, he had a very strange profile where he wasn't walking, but he was hitting the ball very hard and for a lot of power. And uh, that was around the time the oral history of Ichiro was published on The Athletic and where Ichiro had given a player the advice where the front office had said, hey, you need to walk more. So he was trying to take more pitches. And then Ichiro said, no, no, no. First you rake, then you walk. And <laughs> and Tyler O'Neill kind of followed that last year. And so seeing his line of a 266 batting average, a 330, you know, an on-base percentage in the 
in the 334 range and uh and then also that 535 slugging with a a, a 270 iso attached to it uh it made me feel so much better about how uh repeatable his skill set what might be for 2022 and uh and so i was very heartened to see that uh from zips which as you've said you know tends to be a little bit pessimistic on playing time uh also and o'neill's missed time with some weird uh ailments over the years and so uh i'm interested to see if he can play as much as zips foresees him playing and put up the numbers uh zips forecasts when he does my, my, my favorite story of a player not walking uh, was Mark Quinn. I don't remember, know if you guys remember the Mark Quinn year in 2001 where he announced in April that it was going to be his goal to not walk all season. Uh, so naturally he lost like 100 points of OPS and he was out of baseball <laughs> by the next season. That's, that's like that's right at uh, like peak Moneyball too, which is kind of – uh, yeah. a weird uh, subplot uh, to that dynamic. And I do, I do remember Quinn. I, I, I could not have come up with his name if you had not just said it, Dan. I'm a mean old stat head. So I know about, I remember all the Royals failures, <laughs> <laughs> but I Let's remember talk about Mark T. Hen. I, I remember reading about the guy who was like, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna walk. And I was and just like, that's, that's insane. That's, and it's fine in some instances. You, right. you can fall into what I kind of call the Ben Grieve trap in which you're too too passive at the plate when you should be driving pitches. Ben Grieve fell into that. Uh, Jeremy Hermida fell into that considerably. That that That's that's a, a trap, too. Uh, when Chris Bryant was in the minors uh, and he was striking out so much, people are saying, why is it Zips worried about the strikeouts? I'm like, well... Zip doesn't care about the strikeouts because when you're slugging 650, you should be hitting the ball as, as, as much as you want. You're being, I mean, he was slugging 660 something in the minors that year. And when you're hitting the ball that far, every time you connect, you are incentivized to hit the ball. Ichiro was incentivized to swing, not because he had huge power, but because he could make unbelievable contact with everything. But you have to be careful not to, you know, put square pegs in the round holes. Uh, or or bad things will happen. Yeah. Well, uh, Ben, should we move on to a, a couple of guys that that Zips is is fairly optimistic on that uh, you and I have been a, a little uh, a little less optimistic on. Um, and uh, one of those is uh, is Tommy Edmond, who who Ben and I have been kind of kind of I think some of the low men and Cardinals. Twitterdom and and whatnot on on Tommy Edmond and Zip seems to be pretty um, pretty optimistic on Tommy Edmond. So I think my question is why? No. <laughs> well, Zip, Zip, Zips did like that his contact rate peaked up while he was swinging at more pitches. Uh, he's an adequate defender at difficult positions. Yeah, and that that goes a long way. Yeah. So I was looking and I was kind of looking under the hood to try to figure out. And as I looked at the lines that I see here and and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I didn't see I don't I didn't see any kind of big jumps anywhere. But it looks like Zip kind of Zips expects maybe kind of 
modest improvements in a, a variety of areas, you know, maybe a, a bit better on base, a bit better slugging, et cetera. Um, it, w- w- would you say that's accurate? Am I, am I, I, I think I would, because it also goes along with the Cardinals philosophy. It's sure. It's study improvement. Cause they don't have yeah. as many risky players as someone else. Like, right. like a player like Nolan Gorman, mm-hmm. he's not super risky. I mean, he might not, you know, develop as much as people want. Zips is, is pretty happy. Zips liked his defense in the minors uh, this year. Uh, I have a uh, probabilistic measure that I use, which uh, tracks where every ball is hit based on game day data. And Zips really liked his defense uh, uh, th- this season, which which was surprising uh, at, at second base, uh, which is something to look at long term, I think, because uh, if, if somebody can play a, a better position or a tougher position competently, it's hard not to to use them there, especially when you have Nolan Arenado at third, who's not going anywhere anytime soon. And uh, Jose Okendo, the Cardinals coach, who is thought of to be a very excellent uh, defensive coach, uh, gave an interview and he said Gorman will be an above average defensive second baseman in the major leagues well he should know all the positions i mean he, yeah. he did play every position in a game didn't he uh sometime in the late 80s mm-hmm. yes that is he correct. Sure did. <laughs> yeah so so yeah well, i'm a gen xer so i i know everything about baseball from like 85 to 95 like instinctively <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, you well, and you, you and I are the same age, Dan. So we we we're we're treading the same uh, the same area here. So when I when I played wiffle ball in my backyard, and I was a Cardinals fan too. I could uh, I could bat as a Jose Okendo, both his left handed and his right handed stance. He had very different left handed and right handed stances. So I was uh, I was doing my own batting stance guy in the backyard. Uh, uh, yeah, as, as a kid, that. I modeled my batting stance for some reason after Marty Barrett. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's, it's the most random player to pick. I mean, every picks a star. Dan picks Marty Barrett. <laughs> as long as we're talking cards, middle infield. Uh, last year, I was doing a podcast, and I accidentally called Paul DeYoung Dennis DeYoung from Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so stupid. I was like, oh, God. Well, and I tell you what, as long as you mention Paul DeYoung, um, in the in in your write up, you you kind of said you know you uh, you know you weren't too you weren't as concerned with his numbers last year, um, and I'm kind of in line with you. But you know he is somebody that I would say among the Cardinals fan base, there are definitely people with you know torches and pitchforks out for for Paul DeYoung. I mean, um, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a six hundred plate appearance pace, he was still at two point four WAR for the season, yeah. even hitting below the Mendoza line. Yeah, uh, he did not. It obviously wasn't as good a season as he as he had from, you know, 2017 to 2019. It wasn't anywhere near that, but he was OK, at least in, in 2021. Uh, and there is upside there. Uh, he had a two ten ish BABIP in, in, in 2021. Uh, Zips thought that he should have based on his hit data, a BABIP more in the two fifty two sixty range. Uh, which is more consistent with his career numbers, uh, even though he's he might not reach that peak anymore. Uh, I don't think he's a problem, and the Cardinals do have fallback options. He's you know he's another Cardinal. He's not going to be a seven win player, but I don't really. I think as long as his defense holds up, he's still going to have some value. Yeah. 
I feel like DeYoung suffers mightily from the doesn't look the part disease. And so as you know, as soon as the numbers drop off, I think people are, are out for him. That's my that's my editorial comment on Paul DeYoung there. So but uh, Dan, I wanted you on the record kind of backing him up so I can play that clip back whenever people um, yell at me and don't. don't yeah. Then he's hitting one thirty in March or one thirty yeah. in May. <laughs> Here's what Dan Zaborski said. <laughs> Narrator said he should have worried. <laughs> Well, then I'll go back through my own Twitter feed and I'll delete all my I'll delete all my posts where I was defending uh, defending the young. So um, and, you know, another guy who, um, you know, Zips was was fairly uh, confident on. And, and Ben, I don't know. I don't think we've been, you know, uh, you know, real negative on uh, Dakota Hudson. But I think we've been just a little, um, you know, apprehensive. Um, you know, uh, he uh, hasn't been great always when he's you know been out there and he's been injured um but uh you know zip seems fairly confident in what what he's gonna do this year so i was and i was i guess i was a little surprised by that too just given there's not a lot of track record there he's he's coming off injury um so that was a little better than i was expecting to see for dakota hudson yeah it actually was a little better than i expected as well uh zips is more willing to come under a fip uh in a situation like dakota hudson because one thing you'll notice is if you look at most of the prominent pictures, uh, especially the ones that have experienced in the majors, they mostly have ERAs projected, sometimes significantly below their FIP. Uh, Zips uses uh, the history relative to the, the team defense. It uses, because uh, essentially, uh, if Zips projected Tom Glavin, it would more believe Tom Glavin being able to exceed his peripherals in, say, 2003 than it would in 1990. Zips is just kind of built to work that way. Uh, so... Zips is kind of more forgiving about a, a player who tends to outperform what you expect from their peripherals. Uh, it actually has, I think, I think Dakota Hudson might be one of the larger ones. Uh, let me scroll down. Uh, yeah, I mean, Zips projects his ERA at 4.01 with a FIP of 437. So Zips is giving him some credit there. And, and I noticed that they did that for most of the Cardinals pitchers. And I was wondering how much... Uh, Zips takes into account the the projected fielders behind him. Uh, it, it does, but conservatively, simply because uh, realistically, I'm not going to update the projections every time a team makes a move. Oh, sure. Uh, it, it would be a nightmare because one of the things is I, I, I have the same problem that kind of Nate Silver had with Pakoda. And then I'm a math guy, not a computer programming guy. So sometimes so having a, a fully automated solution that i can run every single night is kind of difficult for full zips uh so there there are sometimes i'm just conservative but i still try to take it into consideration yeah well and as long as we're kind of talking uh pitchers there um you know uh steven matz obviously was the uh big addition uh and i'm I'm making air quotes here in my home hey it was a fair place for steven matz zips has loved steven matz for a long time um he was zips actually had him like 32 in its top 100 prospects one year yeah uh well, Ben, and, you know, Ben and I are, are pretty big fans of Steven Matz as well. And 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 as the offseason started, you know, we said and, and I think a lot, you know, others kind of said as well that, you know, given the Cardinals, given the kind of players the Cardinals go after and particularly the way this team is built, which is all about utilizing that elite defense. Um, you know, Marcus Stroman seemed like the real top of the line, um, you know, player that they could pursue. But Steven Matz seemed like 
kind of the you know the the cheaper option um, for them to potentially go after and in a surprise to I know neither Ben nor I the Cardinals went after the cheaper option <laughs> with uh, with Stephen Matz so I'm just curious um, and and I think Matz has a pretty nice projection here but I of course peeked over at the Cubs projection and and Marcus Stroman has a really impressive projection over yeah, there yeah Zips like Zips like Stroman a lot. Uh, he 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 would have projected really well in 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 the St. Louis. I'm actually slowly opening it up, so I'm filibustering slowly as I type in. Oh no! I have to, no update. Well, well, and Marcus. one thing that I and I look I looked earlier. One thing I noticed too, and of course this makes sense as well, is the you know the innings. Um, you know, of course Stroman is projected for more innings because he's just been you know one of the you know most reliable pitchers in baseball in terms of. Um, you know, in terms of innings, um, but but just across the board, you know, he's just you know, I think generally just you know projected to be better as well. Yeah, Zips uh, projects uh, Stroman in uh, St. Louis as a three point forty two ERA, a four point one WAR, uh, and that's only in one hundred and seventy one innings. Oh, so very good. Yeah, and that that boom you heard was a cat jumping over my head to land next <laughs> to me on my desk. <laughs> So, yeah, we uh, with the Mats versus Stroman, uh, the analogy that we used was Stroman is Dr. Pepper and Mats is Dr. Thunder and Dr. Thunder. I love generic Dr. Peppers. <laughs> so I have a, I even have a we're going to find it. Uh, I have a graphic with all the the fake Dr. Peppers. <laughs> well, we there's had some great ones. There's you know, there's like Dr. Shasta, Dr. Radical. Yes. Uh, uh, we had a, a listener uh, do a little JPEG Photoshop after that episode, placing the labels next to uh, the respective players. Um, so about on par with what you have. Now, one more Dr. Pepper thing, because I just noticed this. Someone, because, you know, all the generic Dr. Peppers are Dr. something, except there's one generic Dr. Pepper I'm looking at. They they actually did a generic name play off of Mr. Pibb. They they copied Mr. Pib. They they're Mr. Sip. <laughs> okay, that sorry. If you get me down any kind of weird weird alley like this, I'm gonna you know turn so, down it. So J A Hap would be Mr. Sip. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, G, G, I do not like how he pronounces his initials. That's that drives me nuts. J Hap. That's your name's not J. I'm not Dudge Zimborski. <laughs> As bad as you know, JD David Jonathan Drew. Well, and you know, Dan, you mentioning the the entire world of generic Dr. Peppers just <laughs> made me realize that you know I think if uh, you know John Mazeliak uh, and the Dewitts had their way, the the Cardinals' entire pitching staff would would be the entire universe of generic Dr. Peppers. I think that's really kind of their their dream staff. Um, so. And really, you. They have figured out how to replicate Dr. Pepper. Now, replicating Coke is a little trickier. <laughs> Very true. Coke couldn't even do it. Um, yeah, or, Coke, or alter Coke, it. I have never been fooled by a fake Coke. No. I, I've been fooled by fake Dr. Pepper. Well, let's uh, – something that I have always uh, loved about Zips is its minor league projections because I just think there are lots of layers of interest to them. Uh, and we wanted to talk about uh, some of the uh, prospects that are likely to maybe 
break in with the Cardinals this year. Um, and you already touched on Gorman um, and uh, another uh, batter that the Cardinals are probably going to be giving an opportunity to this year is Juan Yepes. And um, I thought his projection from Zips, uh, particularly from the power department, looked pretty good. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit generally about how Zips goes through and, and does minor league projections and then also what it likes and what it doesn't like about Yepes. Uh, well, Zips has, I have minor league data going back. Uh, when you look at uh, comps for players and like the top offensive player, it it, it goes back to, to uh, the late 50s now uh, for minor leaguers. Uh, I have an extensive uh, minor league translation database. Uh, so when, when Zips projects a player, it's projecting, you know, first equivalent experience. It puts kind of everyone on the same level. Uh, so major league players get their major league stats. Triple A players get you know their stats translated from Triple A. Uh, now uh, Zips would be even more aggressive, but 2021 was a was a big breakout season for Yepes. And while it, there's a very good chance he's going to maintain that, uh, Zips is also you know being a little cautious as it is. Uh, Steamer actually is even more uh, optimistic about Yepes than Zips. But Zips is still at the point where it's like saying, yeah, Yepes is very interesting. His bat is at the level where, it's, where especially if there happens to be a DH, he could definitely have a, a role on the major league team. But it's not going to really be all in yet. Uh, I think if he repeated his season in AAA, I think his projection would go up very quickly. Uh, you see that actually with some of the Royals uh, prospects that have had breakouts the last couple of years, where they where Zips kind of is a little careful and then goes all in after it's, it's got some confirmation. And this also brings up, at least for me, uh, for minor leaguers, it's an even more dramatic situation with the 2020 season than the major league season, where there basically was no minor league season for most of the players. Yeah, um, that, that was, that, that was rough. It definitely, uh, but I guess it's a two from the problem of projections. It's, it's kind of two pronged one there's likely some development time that you just can't get back. And I think that does tend to hurt the players who were closest to the majors, uh, the players who uh, either had to sit out a season or possibly be rushed. I think the Orioles had this problem because in 2020, they had a lot of kind of fringy AAA pictures that they needed to look at at AAA. And they were forced either all season to either have them not pitch at all in organized games or, or just throw them into the majors, and that, that created a problem. Uh, it's hard to get a developmental season back, especially when the major leaguers still got their season, so it's not like everybody else took a step back also to compensate. Uh, so there's that problem, and then there's just the accuracy problem of a projection because you simply have less data to look at. Uh, less recent data means a worse projection. Uh, it, won't, it, it, it won't, you know cause bias like people like them getting over underrated as a group but it'll cause much larger error bars uh so zips is cognizant of that and there's really only so much you can do to compensate you can't create data where none exists as as much as i would love that because you know i'd love to have stat cast data in for like 60s and 70s players but you know it, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't exist uh if I had a time machine, maybe I'd set that up. Although people get mad, like, you know, I didn't kill Hitler or something. Right. <laughs> like, oh, like, what did you do? Well, I didn't want to change history. So I just put stack. I, I just installed TrackMan in, 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 in 60s parks. 
I just wanted to find out how fast Bob Feller pitched. That uh, would be fun. <laughs> I've I've actually toyed with with you know modeling velocity based on everything but velocity. And while you get some accuracy to that, it's it's not really the same thing because you want to know how fast he threw, how fast Walter Johnson threw. Because you know all we have from our our track. Our, our pitching gun from the 20s is essentially that video of Walter Johnson throwing the ball. Right, with mm-hmm. the, the cop on the motorcycle. Yeah, the uh, motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, was, I had a moment of insurance like, is like, was it Walter Johnson or is this something I just completely made up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, there were yeah, several of those. So, um, and, and then, uh, uh, I mean, as long as we're talking about Yepes, Gorman is, of course, the other kind of, you know, slugging uh, Cardinals prospect. And, and uh, uh, you know, Gorman has a pretty, uh, pretty beefy projection here and, and, and also for a pretty beefy playing time projection as well, I would say. Yeah, Zips, uh, people sometimes get, get confounded when Zips projects a lot of plate appearance. They say, Darren, you projecting 280 starts from batter pictures. That's impossible. I'm like, well, yeah, well, one, I'm, I'm essentially projecting how pictures or, and batters would do in the majors because I don't need a computer to tell me who a GM likes or, who, or how a team feels about someone. That's a really, really odd use of a projection system. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I want a projection system not to tell me how much Dylan Carlson will play. I wanted to look at the data and tell me how good Dylan Carlson is. Right. Uh, and then teams, you know, they make these decisions. And then you make decisions based on using that data. Uh, like, I don't want to say, no, I know Connor Capel will get zero plate appearances wherever he is right. in the majors. I'm not a projection of zero, zero, zero. It doesn't really tell you information about a player. Right. I want to know what he could do. And that's what teams are interested in. They want to know what players can do, not who they will play. I mean, they know who they'll play. Um, yeah, but uh, right, but but uh, you know, Gorman. I, I mean, I think it's worth noting. You know, you know, sh- should Gorman get uh, you know playing time? Uh, you know, Zips believes. Uh, you know, he'd be a, a pretty darn good player. And I'm just scrolling down. So I have the number right here. So Zips, Zips has him at a 2.5 war, which as a, you know, 22 year old, um, you know, that's, that's pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. It, so. it, it's quite solid. Uh, some of that, of course, is the defensive projection, but there's not really a lot of reason to worry about him. Uh, I think from a fundamental standpoint, uh, Zip sees Gorman and Yepes as the class of the upper minors and the players, but easily, the most likely to contribute in a, in a role player uh, position, or even, you know, if they have to start uh, based on an injury uh, in, in 2022. Mm-hmm. So uh, that brings us then to the other uh, main part of baseball, and that's the pitchers. And looking at Matthew uh, Libertor's uh, projections, uh, he would fit right in with this rotation. And uh, I, based on the Zips projection, you know, he is an improvement over Hap. He's an improvement over Lester. He's right around where you, uh, where Zips projects Kim. And it leaves me wondering uh, what generic Dr. Pepper uh, Liberator would qualify <laughs> as. He, he'd be a higher ranking one. He'd be like one of the ones the main supermarkets have. Uh, it, it, it always kind of amused me how quickly people uh, were we're calling uh, the uh, the Cardinals the loser in the trade with the Rays. It's like, how could they be the loser yet? 
when the picture they picked up uh, 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 for Andy Arizarena is 20 and still a prospect. That's that's it's just it's just an odd situation. I think there's actually a chance that you know Libertor has the better career of of the two. Yeah, the, uh, right. the, the, although although the 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 counter argument is that Randy Rosarina has been a rookie for six years, so he's still <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, it, it feels weird that he's had so much. He's had extensive. He's been like multiple playoffs before <laughs> before before the award vote. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but so yeah, and I I have especially the more uh, regular season plate appearances he has, the more I think Liberator could be his equal or his better. Uh, Despite when I, when I see Liberator pitch, I'm not terribly excited about much that he's throwing, Uh, but the overall numbers in particular as this last season, which he was pitching in triple a at age 21 uh, as it progressed, I we had uh, a Cardinals prospect uh, expert uh, Kyle uh, Reese on, and you know I had kind of voiced my concern about Libertor earlier in the year, but as the season went on and you kind of looked at his full body of work and the way he grew in AAA uh, as a an age twenty one prospect. Uh, it made me feel a little more optimistic. And then uh, the Zips projection has me feeling much more optimistic about him uh, now that that's come out uh, for him as a Cardinal uh, for 2022. Yeah, if, if you look at it, I mean, when we last had baseball, he was playing in the Midwest League, and he jumped from the Midwest League to AAA with the same strikeout rate, essentially, and knocking, you know, like a third off his, ho- off his walk rate. That's an impressive, an impressive, you know, boost, especially because he, you know, he threw more innings than he ever had before, uh, despite, you know, a, a, a lost year. Uh, so, I mean, at the end of the day, even if he's not the most exciting picture, there are guys who excite you more. Uh, but, you know, like Kwang Yun Kim, he wasn't the most exciting picture, but, you know, he, he when he left the Cardinals after this season, he had an ERA below three as a Cardinal. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I guess you could say that not allowing runs is its own excitement. And and also, what what do you make and what does Zips make of that home run rate in AAA? A uh, home run rate for pitchers is is quite volatile. Uh, when we when we talk about FIP, what you really do have to balance out the home run rate. And Zips is not worried about that. Uh, he also had kind of a, an unusually low home run rate in Bowling Green. It's just an erratic number, and you see a lot of the pictures that surprise are the ones that were good except for their home run rate. Uh, I think one of the best examples is uh, Corbin Burns. Uh, in 2019, you know, he allowed 17 home runs in 49 innings with, you know, a good walk rate and an immaculate strikeout rate. And people were saying, well, no, it's he's allowing those home runs. We're like, well, no, well, it's volatile. It's likely to come down. And obviously no one predicted he did what he did this year. But though you, you could get too hung up on a picture's home run rate. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you really only worry about if it's a long-term issue. And you, you probably especially do not worry about it if you play your home games in Bush Stadium. No, it's. Not, I would. I'd be a little more worried in cores, but even then, I, I. It's not something that's a characteristic of him yet. 
Well, and I think with Liberator, uh, you know, part of the issue is, uh, you know, a trade like that. And when a guy that you call your top pitching prospect, the, the profile that we all want is that, uh, you know, real kind of frontline ace, you know, strikeout pitcher. And, you know, Jack Flaherty is the only pitcher the Cardinals have who really fits that mold. And, you know, just looking at, you know, the projections, you know, Jack Flaherty is uh, projected for, you know, almost a 28% strikeout rate, which is, you know, up at that kind of, you know, pushing 30% or above elite level that you see, you know, a lot of teams, you know, really pushing that. And basically every other Cardinal starter is, you know, under 20%. It's, you know, pitching to contact ground ball kind of guys. Um, and, you know, as we learned last year, they've just very consciously, um, you know, shifted to this is this is how they're going to build this team. Um, but that leads me to something else I wanted to, to talk to you about, Dan, because one of my very favorite things about Zips are that you always have a comp for every player. Um, <laughs> you, you list a name of a player who's who's like the closest comp to them. And it's just it's always really delightful to me because there's always just certain names that pop up and it's just like, oh, my God, that is exactly who that player is. So. Um, and Ben, I don't know. I made a list of a couple of them that really jumped out to me. Um, I don't know if you have some as well. But the first one that really jumped out to me was uh, our own beloved Adam Wainwright. And the comp is Oral Hershiser. And I had not thought of that before. But oh, my gosh, he or Adam Wainwright is Oral Hershiser, isn't he? Yeah, the, 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 the comps are a lot of fun. Um, uh, I talked a little about how Zips does it. It uses uh, essentially cluster analysis uh, techniques to 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 find a, co- a large cohort of players. Now, the most similar player isn't necessarily that much more important to the projection than the rest of the guys, but it's fun to list the number one player. Right. Uh, and and, and you it's, get, it's get, always yeah. fun. It's always fun when, like, in your mind you can see it, I feel like. Yeah, those, yeah. those are fun. And I like when they send you down little little paths in baseball history. Uh, I forget who had it last year, but someone last year got the Scipio Spinks uh, as his top comp. <laughs> And I spent half of the team's essay not even talking about the team, but talking about <laughs> Spinks' history uh, uh, with the Cardinals, with his giant stuffed animal gorilla, uh, with the injuries that 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 because he was very very promising. And for people who haven't looked him up, he's a great story. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like when when Zip sends you down that kind of memory. Memory yeah. lane. Now, are they, and I assume kind of like the ones on Baseball Reference, are these at the same age too? So this is like Cleveland Indians Oral Hershiser, I'm assuming, right? For yeah. Essent- yeah. Essentially, yeah. as part of the projection process, Zips is working after it does all the number crunching. It has a baseline expectation for that player based on their history and their characteristics and the shape of their performance. Yeah. That Zips also has in its database the baseline for every other player in history at every point in their careers. So it's saying that the initial starting point for a projection for Adam Wainwright in 2021 of similar players with a similar baseline at similar points in their career, mm-hmm. the the picture who had the closest baseline similarity to Wainwright was Oral Hershiser. Uh, so it's not doesn't necessarily mean that his individual season is projected to Hershiser right. or the rest of his career will be Earl Hershiser. It's just that uh, like like going back to the hurricanes, it's like when you plot where all the hurricanes started in November of 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 the hurricane season in the Caribbean. And that's kind of the thing. It, it's the same starting point, And Zips uses the large cohort to kind of 
model uh, on the fly where the where the path is going to go. Right. And I guess I just always like the comps. And I think this one falls into this category where it's not just they happen to be crossing at this point in their careers, but I can just really see a lot of similarities throughout these two careers. You know, Hershiser, this, you know, kind of another like not Hall of Fame, but Hall of the Very Good type pitcher, you know, not a like, you know, elite strikeout type guy, uh, you know, guy who was effective, you know, to a very old age. Uh, I don't know. I, I personally just it was one that kind of made me smile i was like oh yeah i see i see a lot of that a lot of yeah that there, there were a lot of similarities i mean hershiser uh before injuries was one of the best pictures in baseball Rainwright had a really yep. nice run too uh um, yep. it, it worked uh what, what's funny is sometimes when the when the when the comps confuse people because you know sometimes a player will get like a Robinson Cano projection from when he was a prospect. And Robinson Cano took a big jump up as a prospect. And you like get to right. tell people, you know, most players at that are Robinson Cano at 21 aren't actually Robinson Cano at 25. So don't right. don't get too excited. Uh, and sometimes I have to kind of be a little creative with the names because uh, I have kind of a Bob Gibson problem, uh, which which I mentioned simply because you guys are, you know, Cardinals guys. Uh there's, there's, of course, the Bob Gibson everyone knows, but there's also the Bob Gibson who was kind of a, a rather wild reliever for several years with the Brewers in the 80s. Uh, so sometimes players will get the Bob Gibson uh, comp and say, well, what do you how is he compared to Bob Gibson? Like, There's more than one Bob Gibson. Oh, so yeah. I've kind of have in my database some players with alternate names. I have uh, the other Bob Gibson, not that or. <laughs> I forget if his other Bob Gibson or not that Bob Gibson. I have other Frank Thomas. Uh, I have slightly better Jeff Robinson. Uh, if you're compared to Alex Gonzalez, I actually have them both as. I don't know which Alex Gonzalez this is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's nice. Well, another, I, I, I tell you, another one that, that made me smile was uh, Miles Michaelis and uh, Bob Tewksbury, just because being the age that I am, I went through – many Cardinal seasons in the 1990s where, uh, uh, you know, Bob Tewksbury was the ace of the Cardinals staff uh, floating, uh, you know, 84 mile an hour fastballs up there. So, um, but, but uh, very few balls out of Bob Tewksbury. So it was, it was fun tracking that, that, that low walk rate. Yeah. I mean, those years he would just walk 20 guys, like throw 220 innings and walk 20. That was always so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, always interesting to see Cardinals guys pop up on here. And, and and the other one, and I think this may be one of the coolest ones for Cardinals fans to see Paul Goldschmidt as a comp with Bill White. That's a real neat one for Cardinals fans, you know, to, you know, first baseman, um, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the team. So that's kind of a fun one as well. Although given the age, I'm guessing that's a Bill, Bill White from not a not a Cardinals year, but we'll uh, we'll we'll take it anyway. Yeah, it it was it was towards the end of his Cardinals phase. Okay, uh, was still because around because I he wasn't he, at, yeah because he wasn't very good with the Phillies. He, he he aged quickly. I forget if he was injured or not. I don't remember offhand. Uh, so it, it would have been late Cardinals. Uh, sometimes the 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 top comp will be a little cruel, and people will think that I like I like I chose it. I I, I one year uh, when Byron Buxton was a prospect. Uh, for the twins, his top comp was Carlos Gomez. And I thought, Oh God, people are going <laughs> to, twins fans are going to hate me for that. Yeah. <laughs> and did you, did you leave it in? Yeah, I left it in. Of oh, course. Okay. Yeah. 
No one, no one would take me seriously if I put my thumb on anything. Uh, so even if a projection looks strange and I've and I verified that it's not an error, uh, like the time I accidentally pro- hit something and I projected uh, Jose Molina to have a twelve hundred slugging percentage. <laughs> that was because I had him with one hundred and three home runs one season in my database, uh, which was obviously not accurate. <laughs> the um, the uh, speaking of. Uh, the twins, uh, the Michael Kadire comp for Harrison Bader uh, hit me <laughs> well, pretty it's hard. Offensive. No, well, I, no, that's exactly why. One, it was very yeah. funny because it's clearly not a defensive comp. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah, two. Anytime people say that it's a defensive comp, they point out that Harrison Bader's comp was Mike Kadire. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, like okay, so this has made me type it up here on my screen because I was like, Michael Kadire was terrible at defense, and then I looked at his his uh, defensive uh, line on the the Fangraphs dashboard. And like he had a negative twenty five point eight season, but the offense it just hit me because I was like, oh man, Harrison Bader is kind of like Michael Kadire. It, it hit a little too close to home, um, and uh, hopefully we get one of the the good Kadire seasons this year as yeah, opposed pe- pe- to the others. Yeah, pe- people were asking uh, me about that when I said, well, here's the thing: if you give Michael Kadire uh, I'm going to probably steal and plagiarize what I already said, but I said if you give Michael Kadire Harrison Bader's defense, Michael Kadire would have been a much better player than Michael Kadire. It's like I, I, I compared it to having a lawnmower, and a lawnmower is kind of boring, but if you discover your lawnmower can turn grass into tacos, that is super cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, it would. That, that would be a money-making invention. Uh, yeah, I, I could, I would. There'd be no more if I could invent the 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 taco lawnmower. Uh, there, there probably there'd still be projections every year, but I'm probably not gonna do much else work because I'm just gonna, you know, live in my sugar plantation in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, or your taco plantation, uh, because you could turn whatever you wanted into tacos by just yeah, it. yeah. I guess I do need a lot of grass in that case. I'll think about this after I after I make the invention. Oh my! Well, sounds good. Well, Ben, do you should should we? Uh, were there any other um, Cardinal specific player things, or do you want to shift gears and and hit on any of the just kind of under the hood questions that we had? Yeah, I just I wanted to touch on park effects a little bit because uh, I think you did a a good job, um, and Zips did a good job uh, with the Arenado trade and his transition from Coors to Bush. Um, and, you know, there, there was a pretty big drop off there and the Cardinals made news this season, uh, Dan, and I don't know if you saw it, but they have put the new ballpark village across, uh, the street in the outfield of Bush. And then they've put a new like luxury condo, uh, not high rise, but pretty tall building across the street and the John Mosellock actually, uh, mentioned that uh, it they their data suggests that it has had uh, a suppressing effect on offense to an extreme degree, and there was an article in the St. Louis Post Dispatch kind of contrasting the Cardinals' team numbers uh, on at home and on the road, but then also all of the visiting teams at Bush Stadium versus how they did elsewhere. 
And I was wondering, you know, when you're doing zips and the park effects, uh, what is your impression of Bush Stadium? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it is a pictures park, uh, and it's hard to kind of capture m- these these micro changes. Uh, like when there's like, like when you do something like when RFK Stadium was used, I could kind of use it relative to other stadiums and make a rough estimate based on, on, on uh, dimensions of the stadium. But it's hard to capture things like wind patterns or the, the background of the hitter's eye. Uh, uh, that they can see out there. Those things are, are kind of, there's a lot, a lot of noise in park factors. Uh, Zips uses several years to get an average, and it's just something you have to accept because you don't really know how a park is going to play or how a change is going to affect the park for a while. Uh, because even when a change is something you expect, like in the first season, you still don't actually know if that's actually... Uh, what it is or if it's just matching your preconceived notion uh so i i think it'll continue to be a pictures park uh but the exact degree of what a change would bring it, it takes a while to get a feel of that now the cards of course could have done experimental data you can have people in there actually measuring it not based on on uh better performance because you know when zips does it it's doing it based on uh implied park factors in a sense uh getting an a sense from how it affected batters kind of the way we detect distant star systems we don't actually see the stars but we see how other things react and we see almost implied planets and stars out there uh so the cardinals they may have better ways to measure that and get an idea but from a real life standpoint about uh the the actual park factor and the numbers that's that's it's hard to gauge that's, and that's interesting. And that's what you hear is that most uh, most park effects don't just take one season's worth. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested to see, you know, with StatCast data, how refined we can get um, on some of the park effects, both for pitchers and for hitters in terms of, you know, one of the things you often hear about Coors is it is it has a negative effect on your curveball or your slider excuse me if you're a pitcher your breaking balls don't break as much and so you know i'm interested to see once you get you know several seasons worth of stat cast data if you're able to put an exact number you know say it's yeah your curveball's 20 percent worse at coors field or what have you um and by that same token i'm interested to see if like oh yeah your 110 mile line drive is you know 20% 20% less likely to be a home run in Bush Stadium now. Um, or or I just pulled that out. But things like that, uh, how this more direct method of measurement as opposed to stats, which are like once removed, stats happen, but, but so do, you know, the batted balls and the pitch balls. And so I'm interested to see how those more direct measurements impact those. And uh, how they make projection systems uh, even more refined and perhaps more accurate moving forward. Yeah, it, it, it would definitely be uh, useful to do that. I, I have looked at this a lot with cores, especially simply because that's one of the most dramatic park effect parks out there. So you could theoretically find these things easier. And the problem you always run into is that you're always running into kind of sample size issues. Uh, and a lot of the results you get are just very equivocal. 
uh, you, you, there's a lot of ambiguity about what exactly is going on uh, because things hurt on multiple levels because then you have to talk about the hitters and how they're perceiving the curveballs and, and the spin off the bat and how that reacts. There's, it's, it's very hard to track. Uh, park factors are essentially a brute force method where we do have enough data for, you know, like righties and lefties that we do have an idea about that. Uh, but it's very, very tricky to kind of get out these these little micro trends. Uh, and I'm not sure that we're going to be able to wring out too much from it. Not because there isn't important data there. It's just that it's just incredibly noisy. And there's only so much you can do about noisy data. Oh, I totally get it. Uh, something else I wanted to ask you is, is what is the what is the most difficult thing about projecting minor leaguers with little or no major league experience? Uh, well, we do. Well, minor league projections actually work quite well, surprisingly. Uh, you do get more frequent park changes and you do have more of um, kind of an inconsistency in the level of play there, uh, which, which can be a little awkward at times because sometimes the better pick the better pictures and hitters in a league really have a dominating effect and you can actually be thrown off if you're if you're not taking into account uh who a, a batter faces uh i think one of the prob- main problems is you just have less data to work with than you work with major leaguers when when i'm projecting goldschmidt you know you have a decade of major league data to work with you don't no prospect has a decade's worth of data to look at. So you're always going to be limited by that and just by different levels since nobody really stays at the same level if they're a prospect. Uh, so those are the challenges. And I think, I think that we, that the committee does do a pretty good job with that. Uh, I've looked at the, I do the zips top 100 prospects every year, which is purely based on uh, projections and zips actually, uh, if I went back to the first year in, I believe, 2012, Zips actually, the war for the top 100 players are actually higher than the top 100 players for all the projection people. Uh, now, I think that gap's going to close simply because Zips, like some of the the uh, the higher floor guys who get to the minor majors quicker, but you can't do a very good job with data, especially in the upper minors, where the level of play is more consistent. Well, and uh, that kind of gets at something that I, I wanted to ask about as well. And I know, I mean, obviously these are projections, but, um, and I think especially because they, they come out in the off season when we're all hungry for there to be a season, especially a uh, year like this, when we don't even know <laughs> if there's going to be a season, um, you know, and, and they, they give us this, this picture. And I think especially for people like Ben and I, who are, who are stat people, you know, we can look at these numbers and, you know, we can in, envision this team right and we can envision this playing out and so we we of course we want these things to happen but these are projections and some of these guys are going to be you know play somewhere around these projections and some guys are going to exceed them and some guys are going to you know not exceed them and i'm sure you on on twitter i'm sure people get mad at you <laughs> yeah, every, I, i'm used to people getting mad at me it's not just the projections, though. I also have kind of a big mouth, so that people get mad at me for that too. Well, that, that's on you. I'm just being honest, Dan. That's on you. I can't help you with that. But, um, but I'm just curious. Um, uh, 
I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that it's easier to project. And you kind of were, were alluding to this earlier. It's it's a little easier to project the older players with the track record. Um, you know that it is the younger players. Obviously, there's things like like injury. Of course, is, is I'm sure one of the biggest things that's always going to be just a, a wild card. But I'm just curious what else is out there that tends to really impact the ultimate act you know you know uh how accurate the projection ends up being um you know once the season plays out and maybe some things that we might not think of well i i I think uh i think we've touched on most of the things that that directly affect the accuracy of projection but i think that people sometimes have trouble visualizing just how inaccurate projections are designed to be Mm -hmm. uh I'm, i'm opening up uh Tyler O'Neill's projection again, uh, letting zips run through it. I'm opening up the percentiles. Right. Uh, and that that's the frustrating thing. Um, every year I, I have someone complain that only like like one or two or three or four players are projected to hit 300. And they'll tell me, how can that how can zips only project four players to hit 300 21 players hit 300 last year and i'll say well no zips isn't projecting four players to hit 300 zips is projecting four players to have a 50 percent chance to hit 300 yeah uh, which is very different uh you expect to be wrong on a lot of things and the the models do take this into consideration Mm -hmm. uh like for instance, if I look at the 90th percentile uh, uh, Tyler O'Neill season, uh, the 90th percentile projection is a 311, 384, 667 season with 44 home runs. Uh, Zips, if Zips's projection of 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 an 869 OPS is correct, it should be that wrong 10 percent of the time in the positive direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, his 10 percent to 10th percentile projection is only 224, 287, 435 with 28 home runs over a full season for 1.1 war. And again, Zips is projecting that to happen 10 percent of the time. What can happen is huge. Zips when Zips spits out a line, it's giving the median line. But you yep. are supposed to be wrong a lot, which. Yeah. It sounds like a real cop out when you tell someone like, well, I'm supposed to be wrong. That means I'm accurate. Uh, But a lot of the challenge of of calibrating a projection system is making sure you are wrong by the proper degree, the proper amount of the time Uh, you're 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 trying to model the appropriate amount of being wrong, which is. To yeah. someone who doesn't do this can be kind of a frustrating exercise. And it is sometimes at times. Well, and I remember, gosh, 10, 15 years ago, and I don't know if they still do it, but I remember Pakoda projections 10, 15 years ago, you could open up and see, you know, yeah, here's the 10% projection. Here's the 90% projection. And it was, it was always a little interesting. And I, I always kind of, I'm just sort of I, I kind of like to see like best and worst case scenarios. Right. <laughs> so I would usually I would usually do that. You know, I'd go in and I'd look like, oh, my gosh, what if like Paul Goldschmidt collapses this year? What does that look like? So um, so do, uh, so I'm, I, have you ever thought about representing that in, in the, the published data or, or somehow representing? I'm sh- I'm guessing some guys have a, a wider range, you, you yeah. know, between that. Yeah. 
Yeah, like like uh, Tyler Nails is is fairly large, uh, which right. is why Wait, I quoted him. And, and I would assume that's largely because he's such a young guy. He's such yeah. A, there's less less that to work I, with. I would guess Nolan Arenado has a pretty narrow range. Yeah, uh, relatively speaking, uh, between tenth and ninetieth percentile for for uh, Nolan Arenado, there was six wins from one point one to to seven. Wow. Which which is a good thing because you say that Zips is projecting a ten percent chance of a seven win season. Uh, but if I look uh, at 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 Nolan Arenado, his tenth uh, to ninetieth, instead of being a seven win separation, is only a four win separation. Right. Um, his ten percent is higher uh, at two point two WAR, but his four point five. Excuse me. Uh, his ninetieth percentile is lower at six point seven. Uh, we're just a little more certain about who Nolan Arenado is than we are about Tyler O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, I mean, it can be frustrating being that wrong at times. And I do publish this a lot. I don't do it as systematically just because from a practical sense, everything I post, I have to explain ad nauseum. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I'm not great at the technical writing description things. I like to write fun things. And when I'm writing things that are technical, uh, I either have to do it in a silly way or I get bored really quickly. I know that sounds awful. It's like, oh, he's he's too important to do his job. Uh, but I, I, I don't do the education part very well sometimes. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I I enjoy I I I love the the writing, um, you know, in your pieces as well, um, you know, and it's a, to me it's a throwback to the uh, uh, the great uh, rotisserie uh, baseball guides. That, uh, oh, I love those with the with the names of the teams, you know, the Glenwag Goners, and oh, yeah. Steve Wolf's Wolfpack, and the Oakland Finokies of Daniel Oakland. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, basically all of my baseball writing ever has been wanting to write the little player capsules that they had in those because they just, you know, they had so much fun. But no, I'm with you, and it's, you know, you yeah, you can't, you know, if you start caveating every single possible thing, you're just, you know, you're you're going to write a you know, 10,000 words of caveats. <laughs> and, you know, you're, there's nothing yeah, what, fun about reading that. So for, for some reason, when I was 10, the, the, the write-up that I thought was the most hilarious ever uh, was in one of those rotisserie annuals that had like, like just a, a little jokey page with questions for like the 1989 season. And the question was about Jim Gott. The question was just, what does Jim Gott? And for some reason, <laughs> ten-year-old me thought that was the funniest thing that ever happened. It seems a little silly now. What does Jim got? But well, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy silliness, being a little <laughs> surreal at times, uh, because baseball is fun. It's not supposed to be that serious. Absolutely. Uh, so, it's, it's. It's weird to say, what do you do for a living? Well, I uh, make non-parametric models for baseball player performance, but I do it in a silly way. Uh, <laughs> it's just a weird explanation of my job. Oh, there is a, a, a story about trying to explain my job to my girlfriend. Uh, she, she knew I consulted in baseball, uh, but she's not a baseball fan. She never has been. She doesn't like sports at all. And she was always not completely sure what I actually did. Uh, she just knew that people were paying me for it. Uh, so she had seen Moneyball. And I, I told her, like, a lot of the kind of stuff I do it was a lot of the stuff they talked about in Moneyball. Well, she took that too literally. 
And since she knew I was consulting at the time, she thought it was one of the consultants for the A's and that Jonah Hill's composite character. Because I told her that Jonah Hill was kind of a composite character of Paul Day Podesta and a few other people. She thought I was one of the of the people that Jonah Hill was playing because I kind of <laughs> looked like Jonah Hill. And she apparently believed this for like five or six years. And I discovered from her talking about it that she was occasionally telling people that. And I'm like, oh, God, that's 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 not it at all. At all. I that's not a thing. I I, I got to tell you, after five or six years, I think I might have just I might have just uh, gotten had, bored with that myself. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I had not realized she had been doing that. <laughs> I just thought, no, that's that's not the case. I didn't. That is not the impression I wanted yeah. to, to give you. I was not played in a movie by a I, there was, I was not in a movie ever. It's I'm never going to be. Oh man! Well, that's that is funny. Her her face turned so red about that. <laughs> I still make Jonah Hill jokes to this day. Yeah, and then you said actually I was Brad Pitt. <laughs> yeah, that 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 probably would not go over well. That would, that would take a lot of lying, I think. Oh my gosh. Um, well, Ben, was there was there uh, anything else? Dan's been very generous with his time already. Was there anything else that uh, you wanted to to hit on? No, I, I think we've covered most of it. Uh, Dan, thanks a lot for agreeing to come on. Uh, we've been big fans of yours for a long time, and we really appreciate you taking the time tonight to join us for our uh, Zipsma special here on Cardinals Off Day. Well, we, we've we've all talked a lot. I mean, I've I, I've been on Viva Albertos a lot over the years. Yes, you, yes, you have, and uh, and uh, I always enjoyed it. Uh, your comments there, uh, just like I enjoy your Twitter feed uh, and your writing on fan graphs and uh, look forward uh, to it in the future. And hopefully uh, spring training will be starting up here in about six <laughs> I weeks hope so. and I hope we'll so. be able to enjoy it. I actually think we'll have a season. season. I, I'm actually fairly optimistic about that part simply because there's too much money to lose, but it's going to be a giant headache to get there. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you have uh, d- does Zips do a uh, collective bargaining projection? Is oh that God, I <laughs> I don't know how to do that, and that'd be too depressing. <laughs> okay. Call a labor lawyer for that one. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> all right, all right. So you'll just be wishing and hoping like the rest of us, then. Yeah, cr- fingers crossed. All right, all right. Well, fantastic. Well, th- well, thank you, Dan, and and thank you everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, be back again at some undetermined time here in this uh, nebulous uh, off season uh, with another Cardinals off day. We'll see you then.